may take your seats. Good morning, everyone. How are you? That's good. Three people. Fantastic. I know it's a little cold. It was a little fresh this morning. Hey, welcome to UBC this morning. I hope you are doing well, you and your family and loved ones and friends and all those in the lounge. Hello. I'm just going to pray right now as we get into the word this morning. Thank you again, team, for your worship and leading us into worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments and times together that you would begin to speak to each one of our hearts. We acknowledge that you are way bigger than us, way smarter than us. And so we rely on you, we depend upon you, Father, in every second of every day. So this is our moment, Lord, where we lean in and not want to switch off, but say, speak to us, speak to my heart. Speak to that need, speak to that situation right now that I'm facing. And guide us and lead us, we pray. Everyone said? Amen Amen in Jesus' name. Well, we are going to continue to start our journey again in the book of Ephesians. And I, I, I suspect the next four to five weeks we will conclude Ephesians. And I uh, just so falling in love with Ephesians again and again. There is so much content there. As a quick recap that obviously thank you to Nerly speaking a few weeks ago and speaking into chapter five. And the, the gist of as, as what Nerly had mentioned and I encourage you to look at that, but it speaks of our different and differing relationships that we have. Our relationships one to another, but also with Jesus. And I love how that we are to imitate Christ and to, to know what that looks like and reflect that, but also with each other. So it's a, it's, a, it's a chapter about relationships and about walking in the light of that relationship, i.e. Christ Jesus. Chapter six is where Paul shifts things a little bit for us. And why he begins with relationships, in, in fact, addressing children first, and understanding the context of family, Paul transitions into a really critical area that for most people, if you ask them maybe a particular verse or, or a, a passage of scripture that they know of, it would be in chapter six of Ephesians. We all know it, we've all heard about the armor of God. And we've all taken that into our own contexts and, and, and applied that in different stages of our lives. So Paul has shifted the ante a little bit, and I would encourage you that over the next number of weeks, we're gonna look at this and unpack this without making it too deep and complicated, but enough to remind you what you and I must do and understand as we are to be all that Christ has called us to be. So I'd love to speak a little bit about unpacking this, this scenario around family and particularly relationships as it starts in Ephesians chapter six. What I will say is that it's no, uh, it's not by accident that Paul is talking about family and then he shifts to the battle. I want you to know right now as we look around our society that if there's one area, one demographic, one particular area of focus that is under intense onslaught and attack, it is the family. It is the family. And I've sat down with countless individuals with issues 
ranging from a whole heap of things that you could ever think of, but most of it is contained, contained to the family. Wives want to leave their husbands, husbands want to leave their wives, families in disarray, not talking, not sharing, not want to have fellowship, all sorts of things, battles and wars going on. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Some of it can be quite close to home. Apologies. The reality is that the family is under great attack and it's never been, I think, ever been under such attack as it is right now. So Paul speaks about the relationship of family, parents and children, loved ones, slaves, masters, husbands, wives, the whole kit and caboodle. And then he jumps straight into put on the full armour of God. What we need to remind ourselves is that we want to individualise this. There's nothing wrong with that. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the churches. Now, many will say that Paul is writing to the Ephesus church, which we've discussed, but there are many who suggest that this book was shared and circulated to a number of churches. So some feel it's even wrong to call it the, the Ephesus church. It could be to the churches. It, whatever the argument is on that, whatever the information is on that, I don't know. Well, I know that it went to many churches and was trying to set them right and get their feet on solid ground. So after understanding the complexities of relationships, unity, equality, integrity, authority, and even character, Paul takes his shift. Now I'm gonna ask you, this is gonna be something you're gonna hear again, and again, and again, and it's on the screen. Are you battle ready? Friend, believer, Christian, whoever you are right now, are you battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. That's it. We're gonna keep honing in on this so you will wake up one day and you'll feel like, man, something shifted. And you're gonna, it'll come to your mind, am I battle ready? Because the battle is ready for me. Excuse me, let's bring my lovely special holy water up here. Obviously water, thank you very much. I don't know even where it comes from, but anyway, well, it comes from the clouds, but anyway. Are you battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. Hey, can we do that? Can we say that together? You ready? Let's do this, one, two, three. Are you battle ready? Because the battle ready for you. Am I battle ready? Because the battle is ready for me. And Paul starts to lay into this now. Concluding with the strengths to call, to stand and pray, he moves from relationships to the spiritual battles that we all encounter. He seeks to help us to tell the difference and how that in life, not everything is a spiritual battle. Waking up and feeling heavy and tired may not be a spiritual battle. It just meant that you went to bed too late. The devil's against me. So there's lots of things that happen in the natural that we want to blame the devil for. We want to blame it to some source or power outside of ourselves. It was just reality. Don't buy your wife flowers and don't blame God that she's not much to talk to you or something like that, I don't know. 
the church that Paul is understanding and helping us to understand is not merely addressing individuals, but the entire church. And we often will think of the armor of God as being something that you and I individually put on, but what if the church is meant to put on the armor? Because that's the theme right through Ephesians. We think of ourselves as, as temples of the Holy Spirit, but what if we are as collective a temple of the Holy Spirit? What if we now become the dwelling place for Jesus to minister life on earth through the cooperation of us coming together through our relationships and our connections? Timothy Gumbas, an author, says this, Christian author says, that just as Jesus was the presence of God in a human person, so the church is now the presence of Jesus in the world. And that's why Jesus died for the church. And that's why he loves the church, us collectively, so, so much. If we get it right, we're a force to be reckoned with but more so because we become this visible, living, dwelling presence of Almighty God. We'll look more at this and I encourage you, if you haven't read Isaiah 59, have a little look in there because there are some parallels between Isaiah 59 and Ephesians chapter six. So we go from a functioning body, understanding that we are a church that belongs is represented in unity, love, cooperation, and spiritual fellowship. And now we find out we're an army. We're soldiers. And this is where it shifts. Have a look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. It should be up on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We'll look at this next few weeks. But against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God so that when your day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, stand. As Gabe alluded to, that we live in a world that is so intolerant, so fractured, so antsy, so, so in, in dismay like I've never seen it before. We see it on the news every day. Our history is littered with atrocities, human atrocities, pure evil acts against one another. It's just unfathomable. Hatred and disarray lead and fuel society, people, actions. And history is a, is a great way to learn how bad and how nasty we can be. But it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul makes this shift. It's an important word, and Paul is laying an importance here. He's saying in the rest of this matter, in conclusion, 
It depicts something extremely important. Paul is saying, I've, I've saved the most important information for right now. So all that we've learned in Ephesians is right now coming to this ascent. We've looked at the book of Ephesians as saying we're ascending. This is the ascent. A few weeks ago, Gabe and I and Kayla, we went for a walk up to Mount Dial. Obviously, we got a little confused, but we won't talk about that. But anyway, we landed in the car park that ended up what I thought, we thought would be one hour there, one hour back, but it was the whole day. And we had to almost run back before it got dark, which is not fun when you're in the woods. <laughs> not a good plan. We did 11 and, 11 and a half Ks, I think we did. And, and uh, we scooted down. But I, these guys stopped at one point and I, we had a little bit more to go, but we didn't really know where we we're going. Except, and I'm not great reading maps, just want you to know that. Please, I think a, I'm not alone, am I, Roger? And, and, I'm, and Gabe's saying, how far? We're gonna get back, it's getting dark. I said, just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. He's just starting to give up. At the very end, I said, you guys wait here, I'll go to, it has to be here. I said, I, I cannot go back having come so far. You know what I'm saying? At the very end though, I was so tired that I'm pushing on my knees to get up the hill. I'm almost crawling on all fours. My legs were heavy, they were sore, they were tired. It took us nearly a week to recover. We got up and I was walking like this for a week. I, I, I found out that I've, I had muscles in my legs I didn't know existed. We did a sudden ascent. Okay, Gabe, it wasn't that long. Two days? Okay, a little exaggeration here. Was it truly two days, three days? Okay, two days, Gabe says. Good for you, Gabe, wasn't for me. Finally, be strong. And so this is the pinnacle that we're going to. This is so important that we build and understand what this means. Be strong. There's two words that come here together and it means to receive and increase in strength and continually be empowered. Or simply be strengthened or being strengthened. So be strong, but how does it happen? How are we to be strong? Are we to be strong in our situation? Are we to be strong in the battle? Are we be, to be strong in our own strength or our own understanding or our own wisdom? No. It says be strong in the Lord. Not to be strong in who I am, I'm, I'm to be strong in who Jesus is. I'm not strong in my own strength and capabilities, I'm, I'm strong in my relationship from Him and from that relationship I draw strength. I love what Rick Renner, Christian author, says this, to be strong describes a power whose purpose is to infuse a believer with an excessive dose of inward strength. He goes on to say that this strength can oppose or withstand any attack or force. I've walked through people who have walked through horrific situations and I wonder how would I respond in that situation? And how do they do that? How do they do that? still praising Jesus, still raising their hands and singing hallelujah. How do they do that? When these horrific things confront them and they have to walk through because of Jesus. They do it because Jesus, they are strong in Jesus. Our strength is drawn from Jesus. In 2 Timothy 2.1 it says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Remember, grace is God's ability in place of my inability. That's what grace is. And I feel like I'm really strong today, Lord. Remind yourself of His grace. His grace is His ability in place of my or your inability. Isn't that so encouraging? I find that for me. I can't do it today, Lord. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what, what to do in this. And I'm just reminded, God work in me. This grace empowering presence. In John 15, four, it says, remain in me and I in you. So in Jesus is where our strength comes from. In His very person, in His very substance, in His very life, that it overflows into our lives enables us to be all that He's called us to be. The prophet Graham Cook said this, that true spiritual warfare is not just about binding and loosing the enemy, but knowing the majesty and the supremacy of God. So our boast, if anything, should be in the Lord, said Paul, of the cross, of who Jesus is, then we continue as Paul sets this up in chapter six. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. This word power means demonstrated power. It's not an invisible power. It's not a secret power. In the King James, it reads, according to the power of His might, it best describes the power that is working behind the scenes an explosive, tangible, inherent power. There's not an unseen power, but a real visible power that, be can, that can be seen and demonstrated in our lives. Wow, thank you, Lord. We have this power. Paul wants to know as a church and as individuals, the church is not powerless. Individuals, believers are not powerless. Is the same power that causes the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead to rise to life, and it's the power that raised Jesus from the grave that lives in us. The same power is in us and in and through us, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Have a look at this word might. It means ability, power, strength, force, it speaks of a strong bodybuilder to be closely joined. The parenthesis of this is to be closely joined to a person. So our power is not by just knowing something, it's by association. Rick Renner says it's a picture of a very strong man as a bodybuilder or a man with great muscular abilities. Look at this dude. How would you like this guy to be your pastor? Yeah, don't give him any cheek. Strongest man in the world. Still is, hasn't broken the record yet. Look at this. Pastor Kevin Fast. Obviously he's going slow there, but anyway. Boom, boom. 188 tonnes. In our previous experience in, in men's ministry, on men's father's days, we would have a big celebration day. And we would have it where we'd have a car harnessed up 
a, a, a strap and a harness, and we'd have individuals coming up and having to pull a car over a line. So there'd be a car there, someone would be sitting in the car, and, and, and part of our men's activities, amongst other things, instead of face painting, we would pull cars. <laughs> okay? So we would load the church up, there'd be motorbikes and boats and chainsaws and anything farm and man-like stuff. It was women would rock up on Father's Day and go, oh, I've gone to a men's shed. And it was a great experience and men would bring their men, their friends, to come along because it was just a great, great day. And we had to pull this car and I remember Jared doing it and he's like this and Jared's strong, our son, and he's, he's trying to pull this thing. Finally got there, but look at that, 188 tonnes. Almost nine metres. So that word might, the ability. How strong is Jesus? Wow, he's strong. Strong in us. So verse 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're instructed to put off in a few verses, we've read this in Ephesians, to put off anything that remotely looks like the dominant flesh-like works of the flesh, and we are to put on the armour of God, which we'll look at in the coming weeks. And we take our stand. Stand means to take a firm defensive position to remain steadfast. It's a combat term, an aggressive stand, an aggressive posture. In martial arts, you never stand like this in, in duels or battles. You always stand like this. You can push someone over very quickly like this, but when they're like this, it's very hard to push them over. It's our stance. And the church is not to be pushed over, but it's to have a strong stance. The church asks as individuals to have this stance. I love when we look at 1 Chronicles 11, and you can look at your own time, I'd look it up. Again, it talks about standing in that field patch. It means to guard the ground that we've already taken so that the enemy does not take or make any new inroads. Remember what we read in chapter four? Put off, do not give the devil a foothold, an opportunity to undermine you, your capacity, your calling, your anointing, or your purpose. We can let the devil in. We can open the door, leave the jar. Who knows what comes in? We know that we've got friends who are farmers in Victoria, and one thing you don't do is you leave the door open, particularly on warm summer nights, because you'll wake up and there'll be all sorts of things crawling around on the floor. You don't do it, you don't leave the door ajar. Doors, children will learn very quickly, close the door, close the door. Don't leave it ajar. Make sure there's nothing that is leaving that door ajar. So friends, we're reminded not to think that this is for a moment to pretend that there's no real spiritual life battle going on. We can ignore it, we can deny it, we can be informed about it, but there's no hiding it and there's no escaping it. The church has always faced a battle and so you and I need to learn how to be as a church and as individuals battle ready. We must be battle ready. We must understand not only the times, but know how we can minister in this season for God. The tragedy is that we have become, and use this passage almost in a sense, 
But the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 11, talks about when the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, violent, take it by force. We've used this to quote the fact that there's us and them in the community. Church is one and community is another. It's never meant to be that way. The incarnate of Christ, uh, not only in the flesh but through the church, is meant to be a place where people can feel welcomed. And I'm sure that we would have homosexuals and gay people walking and anybody else, LGTB and anything else, anyone else walking past our church and they know automatically they would not be welcome here. Where is the love of God in that? Oh no, it's us and them. Well, who are we meant to reach? Us? Ourselves? No, this is the battle. How will they know that Jesus loves them when we're like this? How will they know? And if the church is meant to be and resemble and look like Jesus, no wonder they feel such shame and self-hatred and that the church is full of bigots and judgmental people. I'm just saying. You have to agree with what people do. But where's the love? Where's the love? So where there is a real battle, there's an intense battle. It's a difficult battle. It's a challenging battle. But at the moment, our world is hurting. Our world is crying. Our world is broken. And Jesus said, you're a light on a hill. That you are the salt of the earth. Jesus wasn't ever accused of being a religious man. He was always accused of being a sinner because he hanged out with people that other people wouldn't hang out with. And that's the challenge. There's a great book I'd encourage you to read. I think I have it here. John Paul Jackson, Needless Casualties of War. If you haven't read this, I'll encourage you to read that. Really will open your eyes up to the reality of the battle and how we need to be battle ready. We need to be ready. Worst, the best thing you can do for any battle is to be prepared and to plan. Jesus said that. No one goes into a war without first planning and thinking of the costs. So the spiritual battle is real. And we need to know our enemy. And you are not the enemy. And the people out there in the world, they are not the enemy. Yeah, there are spiritual works and forces and powers at play, yes. But we've, we've got confused and we've just said, well, that's them, not something behind that work. If that was the case, we wouldn't bother reaching anyone. I don't see that being any remotely anything like what the scripture teaches us. The 
good news is that we don't do this in our own strength. Zechariah 4, 6, he answered and spoke to me, saying, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So are you ready? Are you battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. I'm going to conclude now with some thoughts. We're going to have a couple of songs in the next few moments if you just want to get ready. What we're going to do is I want to encourage you in the next few moments to think about where it is for you. What is life looking like for you right now? Are you aware of the need and the challenges that exist in our community? That to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might is not for us to hide, but to go, to do. That's why we're still here. That's why the church is still here. One day Jesus is coming back for His bride, the church. There's still work to be done. But as I was preparing this message, I know that there may be some people who are just finding maybe the last little season quite tough and quite different. Maybe there's been surprises around the corner and just news. Maybe the separation and COVID, the pandemic hasn't helped. Maybe you've found life to be extremely difficult and challenging. Maybe it's nothing that's wrong, it's just how it is. And I can't tell you what is life, just simply life unfolding, or what is spiritual, or that battle behind what's happening. I can't tell you that so much. You, it'll be something you and will look at, but you'll get a sense of what it is. So sometimes you can wake up and you can feel because it was, you didn't have a great night's sleep quite tired. Some of you may wake up and have a good night's sleep, but feel worse for where? Maybe something else is going on. Are you battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling weary, friend? Are you battle ready? I want to encourage you, if you'd like prayer today, we're going to have these two songs in the next moment that you're welcome to stand where you are or raise your hand and if there's someone next to you, if you're happy for them to pray with you, let's do that. But maybe for you, you wanna lean in a little bit further or you just wanna identify something that's going on in your life right now. Or better still, you wanna say, I wanna be battle ready. I invite you to come out to the front while the songs are playing and the song has been sung and we'll pray. We'll pray with you or we'll just leave you to stand alone. If you'd like prayer, we'll ask you, but if not, but this is your opportunity to say, yes, I want to be battle ready. There's stuff going in my life and I don't know what's going on and why it's going on and why I feel this way. Help me, Jesus. We don't want you to go alone. We don't want you to face the battle on your own. And if there's a chance we can come before with you and beside you and pray with you, then you, and you invite us into that space, we will do that. And those people here are ready to pray with you. So let's do that together. 
Jesus' name.